and I am just tired of watching congregations torn apart by this issue and watching the lives of survivors destroyed, their communities uh, pulled away from them, and watching the ministries of leaders destroyed. That's Dr. Diana Garland, Dean of the School of Social Work at Baylor, answering a question from NPR's Michelle Martin on Tell Me More. The conversation also featured a woman who experienced sexual misconduct at the hands of a trusted religious leader, focus of Dr. Garland in the School of Social Work study. News of a prominent pastor caught in an affair can galvanize a news cycle for a time, but can also lead to a sense that this is something that only happens to pastors of large congregations or those dealing with fame and attention, in addition to the pressures of church leadership. Garland says that their study found that to be a very inaccurate picture. What we found is that this problem is so pervasive. It's not a matter of what's going on psychologically with a few charismatic leaders that abuse their power. The average American goes to a congregation of 400 persons or larger in this country. That means if this this were spread evenly across congregations, there would be seven women in every congregation who've experienced clergy sexual misconduct. 3.1% of women who attend services at least once a month have found themselves to be the recipient of either sexual advances or sexual misconduct from a person in position of religious leadership. There's something going on here besides the psychological makeup of our leaders. It's something about how we live our lives together in communities of faith that we need to look at. One of those is we hold our religious leaders in such awe, we put them on pedestals, and pedestals are very lonely places. There's very little accountability for how religious leaders spend their time or where they are. Technology also plays a part. Email and text messages can make communication more private. But there's a pattern where multiple roles of guidance in this day and age can lead to misconduct. Dr. Garland says that a line needs to be drawn. Our religious leaders need to be there for us in times of crisis, times of death, illness, the birth of babies, the joyous times in our lives. But And to, to be that first line of care is very important. That's different than providing ongoing weekly individual psychotherapy, which is a very different role and one that should not be confused with that of religious leader. They're simply different roles. The study is receiving acclaim and attention in church circles and in the media. Dr. Garland, hoping to bring attention to the issue and to cut down on instances, says that all churchgoers can play a role in stopping it. One way is by changing their language. I think this begins with all of us to start using language that describes what's happened. When a religious leader has a sexual relationship with a congregant, it's not an affair. It's abuse of power. We need to open the closed doors. When we say affair, that's something that's private and secret and whispered about. But when we say abuse of power, that's power that we have all given a leader as a community. You can hear the entire Tell Me More interview by visiting kwbu.org. For KWBU News, I'm Derek Smith.